Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The last couple of weeks, we've been exploring all kinds of cool stuff on the Gains podcast. AI, robots, drones. Just last week, we talked Poshmark, fashion, and resale. But this week, we're going to turn our focus back onto financial markets. We'll take a technical look and also talk about Fibonacci sequences and how they're used in charting markets. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gains. All right, let's bring on Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com out of San Diego. Jim, always great to have you on the Gains podcast. Always uh, great to join you, Andy. And give uh, the Gains listener that little <laughs> special offer that you often do. Well, all they have to do is send an email to Jim Welsh Macro at Gmail, and I'll send uh, yesterday's weekly technical review. Uh, and as you know, I go through things like monetary policy, how that's going to play out over the next couple of months, as well as a technical review of uh, you know the major market. So Jim Welsh Macro at Gmail, and I'm happy to send it out to uh, listeners of the Game Podcast. Well, that's why we bring you on, Jim, is to take a technical look at financial markets. And we'll have you lead off the convo today with monetary policy and debt ceiling negotiations. And also, markets have been range-bound for months now. So, Jim, give us the setup. Well, basically, I think uh, in terms of monetary policy, the Fed, uh, with Chair Powell and other members over the last year, have been unbelievably clear in terms of stating what they wanted to do and then going ahead and doing it. As you might remember, about a year ago, Powell and company were talking about getting to neutral was 2.5%, and then moving up above, uh, you know, getting to a a modestly restrictive level. They nailed that down at the December uh, FOMC meeting in March at 5.1, and lo and behold, with the increase we saw at the May 3rd meeting, they're at basically 5 to 5.25%. You split the differences at 5.1. So I, I think um, my take is I don't think they're going to be increasing the funds rate at the June meeting, Andy, for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, the increase in lending standards that took place late last year and then intensified with the regional bank crisis is definitely going to have an impact on the economy as we go out the next six to nine months. So in addition to obviously all the rate increases we've seen over the last year, five percentage points. So to me, I think policy is just about at a point 
where we're, uh, the Fed is going to take a, a pause for a period of time. I think the challenge for the equity market has been is what's going to happen to the economy uh, in the second half of this year. Uh, as I'm sure listeners remember, last summer people were thinking we're, the economy already was in a recession uh, because you had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Then at the end of this year, people were also looking, or last year, pardon me, you know, looking, well, we'll, we'll get a recession by then. Um, because the economy has continued to be pretty decent, the Atlanta Fed's estimate for second quarter GDP last week moved up to 2.9%. So what's happened is this evolution of the outlook for the economy has gone from, oh, my goodness, we're an economy or in a recession to maybe we aren't going to have a recession. And I think my take, Andy, is has been the economy would be okay in the first half of this year. It's the second half of this year that I think is going to be a challenge. And that is, I think, the, the fact that the market uh, is so focused on the economy is why it has been able to hold up, because the data has been coming in and has been supportive. So the test is going to come as we go out a few months and the data for the economy starts to show more slowing. I think that's where the market is going to be vulnerable uh, to some, you know, an increase in selling pressure. Uh, so that's, you know, kind of been my outlook for a number of months, and really nothing has changed. You know, you talk about this the strength of the market, and it's very narrow as well. You can look at a, a bulk of the S and P 500's gains come yep. down to Apple, Meta, Nvidia, yeah, Amazon, Microsoft. Yep. Uh, that's the bulk of the gains for the yep. S and P 500 are tied up in those stocks. So I thought that was an interesting thing. It, it always makes me feel uncomfortable when you have such a narrow leadership there. But, you know, well, t- go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say your uncomfortable feeling is, I think, warranted, Andy, because, you know, as long as those stocks hold together, the market can, can do, continue to do what it's been doing over the last couple of months, and that is kind of grind higher or at least hold steady. Um, the, the, a lot of technicians, and I use, as you know, a lot of technical analysis, and I think what they forget is, yeah, it's unhealthy when you have so few stocks participating in a market rally. But until a reason to sell materializes, the market can continue to hold up. Most institutional investors are buy and hold longer term uh, buyers of stock. So unless they feel that, gee whiz, the economic outlook is going to change materially and for the worse, what we've seen in the last month or so is despite, despite this negative breath and weak leadership, if you will, in terms of how narrow it's been, the lack of selling pressure. So that's why I think if I'm right about the economy showing more and more signs of uh, a significant slowdown as we get past mid-year, I think that's what's going to provide institutional investors a reason to sell. Because right now the estimates are for earnings to grow 11% this year, uh, that there won't be a recession. And I think that's what is going to be necessary, if you will, to convert large institutions into being sellers. And until that happens, we can see just more of the same. And then the charts tell us uh, where the market is as well. That's something that we watch and talk about religiously on the Gains podcast, and that's where I want you to go next, is the technical setup for markets. Where do you see things right now, 
and where are your levels of resistance? Kind of go into the technical. Let's yeah. take a, a look at the market from a technical lens. Okay. Well, the 4,200 level has been very significant uh, resistance as well as support going back the last 12 months or so for the S&P 500. Um, we got above it briefly uh, a couple days ago. Uh, my belief is that there will be a deal on the debt ceiling and um, that that will then cause the S&P to rally above 4,200 and I think potentially approach 4,300. Uh, since the mega cap stocks, as you noted earlier, Andy, have been really the stocks that have been leading the charge and holding the market up, um, I think the QQQ, which is the ETF for the NASDAQ 100, uh, that the Qs can make a move up to 345 to 349. And uh, so the market isn't going to go down until those stocks that have been leading the parade weaken. So my uh, approach right now is, A, I think the S&P is going to push above 4,200, maybe 4,250. I think the Qs are going to trade above 345. And I think that is a place to look to go short uh, the S&P 500 uh, when the Qs reach that target. Uh, the flip side is if the S&P closes below 4,100, that'll kind of remove, I think, the upside bias uh, to the market. So, you know, I think the resolution of the debt ceiling is a big deal. I still believe, like I think most, that, uh, you know, they will get something done. It's a question of how far close to the edge or do we have to take one step into the abyss before they, they act. But something will get done. I think that causes, you know, a snapback, rebound, rally in the market just out of relief. Uh, it does remove, uh, you know, a level of uncertainty, a potential negative, obviously, for the economy. So it's a plus when they get that done, which is why I think the market can uh, move a little bit higher on that news. Immediate, do you think an immediate pop to the upside, but then yes. a sell the news situation, you think? It, it could be a, a two-step where you get a pop to the, you know, on the news, you get a, some selling on the news, and then I think another push higher uh, before uh, it, you know, it's all said and done. Once the debt ceiling is behind us, though, I think the attention will focus uh, on the economy. And uh, as I've been writing, uh, for, you know, really for months and months, if you look at the, the inverted yield curve, a lot of people are familiar with it, but the lead time on that, Andy, is about 19 months. So the yield curve inverted in July of last year. So 19 months is like, you know, very late this year. Leading economic index has declined for 13 months in a row. Whenever it has declined as much as it has, there's always been a recession going back to like 1960. Uh, but that has a lead time of about 10 months. Again, that points us toward later in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. And then lending standards historically lead the economy by six to nine months. And you think about it, a bank increases lending standards. Uh, and to put that in perspective, whenever more than 20% of banks have increased lending standards, we've had a recession. At, in the fourth quarter, it was at 43%. And the, at the end of the first quarter, it's up to about 47%. So we already crossed that threshold. But it's kind of a, a rolling thing because banks increase their lending standards today. But if I'm a small business owner, but I don't have a loan coming due for another four to six months, I'm not going to really feel the impact of that increase in lending standards until my loan comes due. 
So there's a built-in lag time between the increase in lending standards when loans come due and then all of a sudden companies are forced with either paying more for the loan, which they will. Uh, Banks are also increasing the spread above the prime rate that companies are paying. And in some cases, I think commercial real estate has the potential of being a really big problem next year. Uh, Of all the commercial lending in this country, 67% is provided by small regional banks. So we have over a trillion dollars coming due over the next 12, 18 months, Andy. So I think that's going to be a real uh, tough situation as we get late this year, early next year. Um, But, you know, in terms of sizing this up, I still think the economy can hold up for a while longer. Uh, The San Francisco Fed did a big analysis of the amount of savings that were accumulated during the uh, pandemic, both in terms of government distributions as well as people not being able to go out and do things. Uh, it, it peaked about $2 trillion. They estimate that it's down to about $500 billion, and consumers in the first quarter were spending about $85 billion a month. So if you go out six months, most of that $500 billion is going to be going away. So that's why, to me, all these indicators that have had a great record of uh, you know, giving signals before a recession are all pointing to third and fourth quarter of this year where we're really likely to see more pronounced selling. And I think that will provide the reason uh, for big institutions to be sellers. Uh, And, you know, what then happens is the weak breath that you were talking about, the narrowest of the advance, uh, when the big ones start to go down, the little ones have already been weak. They're not going to be able to pick up the slack. And that's why I continue to think that uh, the odds are high that the S&P will go down and retest that October low around 3,500 uh, if I'm right about the economy showing material signs of slowing, I think you know that's that's the downside risk that investors are facing over the next six months. I, I think another risk that not too many people talk about is the commercial real estate issues going on. I mean, you have cities upon cities that are totally empty downtown, and you often wonder, Who's paying all these rents? I think that's another factor into this. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about uh, Fibonacci sequences, Fibonacci numbers, how that's used in trading. Uh, you know, uh, Jim talks about you know his technical look at markets, and Fibonacci sequences is a big part of that. And we're going to talk about that when we get back as well. But hey, real quick, be sure to subscribe. Follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And then, as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with Jim after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Back with Jim Welsh macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. And one more time, give the Gaines listener that special offer. Take Jim up on this. <laughs> uh, this week's weekly technical review, macro at gmail.com. And I'll send it out to uh, viewers and listeners of uh, Andy's uh, Gaines podcast. Now, I mentioned the commercial real estate issues that I kind of see uh, – also in the mix. Uh, any thoughts on that real quick before we start talking Fibonacci and trading? Well, I think it's a big deal. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot of stress show up, especially next year, Andy, because what's happened is uh, office properties in downtown areas have already declined by 28%. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel, because as you noted uh, in the uh, earlier uh, section, that you know downtowns are kind of empty. That's not going to change materially. So the net result is uh, the leasing uh, percentages have dropped by more than 20%. In other words, what uh, management companies are receiving. And as these loans come due, uh, and again, 67% of all the commercial real estate loans in the country have been provided by uh, regional small banks. And so, you know, they're tightening lending standards. Well, they're going to really tighten them pretty hard uh, when you're facing properties that have already lost 30% or more with no real prospects that things are going to improve. Uh, apartments and malls are down about 18 to 20%. So, uh, again, this is like a, a, a delayed time bomb that's about to go off. As more and more properties come due, we will see more defaults. Um, and, again, I think uh, that's more a – story for late this year, next year, um, but it's going to happen. And I think that's one of the negatives that the economy is going to have to weather as we get into uh, next year. Well, I'll tell you, Jim, long term, I, you aren't painting a very pretty picture for this setup. <laughs> well, I, I, again, um, the Fed has been dealing with uh, you know something that hasn't happened for 40 years. And I think Wall Street has kind of been lulled to sleep over the last 20 years. Whenever the economy slowed in any meaningful way or the equity market kind of got uh, upset, as it did in late 2018, that Fed would move to cut rates. But if you look at where inflation was the last 20 years, Andy, it was around 2%. So the Fed had the flexibility to be able to react quickly and cut rates when the economy weakened because inflation was already in their in their 
you know, the zip code that they want it to be in. Inflation is still 5 to 6% on most of the measures. It is going to continue to come down. Um, however, uh, you know, what Powell and others have said is it would be a bigger mistake to ease prematurely uh, because they don't want to repeat the mistakes of the 1970s. And that's another reason why I don't think the Fed is going to go much above where the Fed funds rate is. You know, they said we don't want to do the mistakes of the 1970s. And in the 1970s, they would continue to increase the funds rate until they actually saw inflation coming down materially. But it always tipped the economy into a recession. They're trying to do this. Uh, at least that's the game plan of raising the funds rate to a modestly restrictive level, then holding it there for all of this year so that the impact uh, will gradually weigh on economic growth without causing the economy to tip into a recession that then forces them to reverse policy. So that's what they're trying to accomplish, Andy. And I, you know, I just think in the near term, Wall Street has misjudged how the Fed is going to respond once we really do see signs that the economy is slowing. They're not going to cut rates uh, right away. So that is why I think there's a window of vulnerability um, for the S&P and why I can see the lows of last October again, which are right around the 50% retracement of the rally from the lows in uh, 2020, just under 2200, the high in 40 um, in January of last year at 4818. If you take that amount of increase and you say, well, what's the 50% retracement? It's right around 3500. Uh, and lo and behold, where did the market bottom? 3500. The 618 retracement, which is another Fibonacci retracement, comes in around 3200. So I think there's a real risk. If I'm right and the economy really does go into recession, we could see the S&P make its way down there. So how I use Fibonacci retracements is just look at a big advance like we saw, the bull market from March of 2020 to January of, of uh, 2022. And then you say, okay, the Fed's raising rates. The risk of recession is going up. How much of a retracement can we anticipate? Uh, the first one was a 382, which was reached in uh, uh, last June, uh, around 3,800. Um, so the Fibonacci retracements provide kind of a, an outline of where the market might get to. Um, and the idea being is when you get to those retracement levels, for instance, last June, when we got near the 382 retracement, the market was very oversold. Uh, sentiment was very negative. Well, then you, one can anticipate there's going to be a rally. Uh, off that level when you combine that level with other indicators. Sure enough, the S&P rallied uh, from 3,600 to 4,325 in August um, when the Fed indicated that, okay, no, we got to get more serious. We're going to keep hiking rates until we get restrictive uh, with the policy rate. Okay, well, at a minimum, hey, we're going to go down to the lows of June and potentially take them out. Well, what's the next target? 3,500. S&P got to 3,500 in October. Same thing. Sentiment was very negative. The market was very oversold. Time for a rally. Um, and, and so that, to me, where Fibonacci can be interweaved uh, with other technical indicators and then overlaying a f fundamental framework uh, in terms of what's happening with monetary policy, how is that going to impact the economy? And that's why I, again, feel pretty strongly that we're likely to see the S&P go down to 3,500 and because I think the economy is going to slow down materially. 
uh, over the next six months. So that's what I try to do in terms of combining, if you will, different disciplines to come up with, uh, you know, kind of a, hopefully an educated guess <laughs> about what's going to happen. Well, you know, you, you talk about Fibonacci, uh, the Italian mathematician Leonardo Fibonacci. We often hear about Fibonacci sequences one, two, three, five, yep. eight, thirteen, twenty-one, twenty-four. The Fibonacci sequence is a set of steadily increasing numbers where each number is equal to the sum of the preceding two numbers. So kind of explain how you use that in in the charts. I know you were kind of getting into it. Uh, You know, this famous Italian mathematician, you know, we see this sequence in nature and statistics in trading on charts. One, two, three, five. 8, 13, 21, 34, explain, yeah, and, and, and on and on. So explain, you know, how you're implementing that when you're squaring up a chart. Yeah. Well, again, it's just looking at the lengths of rallies and declines and then taking that total. Let's say if the S&P rallies by 100 points, uh, then using, you know, as I said, I, the, the most common ones that I think happen are 382, uh, 50%, 6.18, and 7.86. Those are the ones that I use predominantly. And it just gives me an idea of a roadmap of where the market may pull back. But, you know, those are just numbers. One, I think, Andy, has to also be including other measures of momentum, whether it be RSI, MACD, um, I use a bunch of other indicators I've kind of developed over many years. When you're saying these things, so for the gains listener, you say yeah. RSI, explain that. I mean, explain what okay. you're talking Relative about. Relative strength indicator. Uh, so it's, in a sense, measuring the rate of change that a stock or a market average is doing. And the, the traditional is over a 14-day window. And the idea being is that if you throw a ball up in the air and it leaves your hand at 50 miles an hour, even as it starts to slow, you know, 40, 30, 20, it's still gaining altitude. So what these momentum indicators like the Relative Strength Index and MACD and Stochastics are doing is, in a sense, measuring the rate of change. How fast is the upward or downward momentum uh, uh, decelerating or increasing? And typically what happens is when you're at a turning point in prices, Andy, there will be a divergence. And again, that makes sense. Uh, just like the ball that's thrown up in the air slows from 50 to 40 to 30 and 20, what happens with a, like a, a relative strength index, let's say the S&P rallies for three, four weeks, the relative strength index sets up to 75, then you get a pullback a little bit, and then it rallies to a higher high, but the relative strength index will only be, for instance, at 68. So, yeah, you got a new price high, but the rate of change of momentum has slowed materially, which is why it has dropped from 75 to 68. Those types of momentum failures are typically what happens before a price reversal and change. And it works exactly the same when you turn it upside down. You know, the market's been going down. You get a bounce. S&P goes to a lower low, but the RSI, instead of being at 25, on that secondary new price low is maybe at 30. So all these, you know, it's like you're shooting around a round of golf. Uh, people have a whole bunch of clubs, 
in their uh, bag in order to you know, navigate the course. My opinion, if you want to effectively navigate the stock market, one needs a complement of fundamental analysis and technical analysis where you have a, a bag of momentum tools and economic data points that one can combine in a coherent manner to come up with an outlook of what's likely to happen. There are, it takes a long time to do all this stuff, but um, to me, for most investors, if you start now and you just spend a little time, five, ten years from now, you'll be amazed at what you can learn, and then you don't have to be dependent on Wall Street <laughs> to uh, you know, let them tell you what's going to happen, and typically Wall Street is, isn't right. Yeah, so, that, that's why contrarians often do so well. Um, yep. If you have, if you've never gone the down the Fibonacci rabbit hole, and Jim backed me up on this, I mean it is fascinating. It touches all aspects of our yep. life. There's a, a lot of different ways of looking at this. There's the Fibonacci spiral. Right. Uh, you know, we've talked about Fibonacci sequences. We could do podcasts it's found upon in nature. In other words, yes, found in nature, a lot big of time. In nature that have these same relationships which when I first started reading about this like 40 years ago, um, I just, as you just noted, Andy, it's really cool to see, wait a second, it isn't just a bunch of numbers uh, that are out there and how it's applied to the stock market. No, this is found throughout nature. And uh, a guy named R.N. Elliott uh, in the 1940s is a guy who really took the deep dive into Fibonacci retracements and everything else. And from his work, came the Elliott Wave Theory. And there are a lot of different people that, uh, you know, use it. Uh, there is a degree of subjectivity uh, that always makes it more of a challenge. Uh, in other words, you can have two Elliott Wave guys looking at a chart and coming up <laughs> with different uh, analysis. Always um, room for interpretation there, for all this is. stuff. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, at the end of the day, that's again, this is why – Using Elliott Wave or tr strictly technical analysis in a vacuum, to me, it leaves one kind of like, okay, I'm going into a fight with one of my arms tied behind my back. That's why understanding fundamental analysis and monetary policy, I think, has to be incorporated and used in conjunction with technical analysis. You need the fundamental framework so that, um, again, because of what the Fed is doing, and the risk of an economic recession is very high. Well, to me, that implies that the downside risk is greater. Well, how much? And that's where Fibonacci numbers can be helpful. Um, but if the Fed wasn't increasing interest rates and the economy was doing just fine, you can have periods like we've been talking about earlier about bad breath. You know, gee, the market's only moving up or holding together with a small number of stocks. Um, you know, if the overall economy is in decent shape, you, you know, you still might get a decline of 7 to 10%. But going into a recession, that's when you can get 15, 20, 25% declines because investors will have a real reason to sell. And so, again, for me, it's always been combining both the disciplines together because it's like the yin and yang. And if you don't have one, you really, really don't have the other. So, um, uh, you know, but to the point you made, people just out of curiosity learn about Fibonacci and how it's found in, in nature. In, you know, even, you know, the, the piano keyboard, uh, there's relationships with Fibonacci on the keyboard. In, in waves of sound, in shells, <laughs> in yeah. seeds, 
in the universe at yeah. large. It's it's amazing. Pretty and again, cool. yeah, it's very, very cool. And again, it's something that is gonna take more than just a little conversation. Yeah, uh, and, it, and and having some visuals uh, helps too. Yeah, yeah, it would help. Uh, I think a lot. But again, you know, when we have these conversations, Andy, what I try to you know, it's to get things started. To, it's to get ideas started. It's to encourage uh, people yeah. to learn more. Exactly. Because ultimately, you, everyone works hard for their money. I need to work hard for my money, and now I need to have my money work hard for me. And uh, you do that through knowledge and understanding. And then so. as we wrap up the uh, Gaines podcast today, Jim, what's the takeaway? And you were kind of hitting on it, but what's the yeah. takeaway from today's convo? Uh, I think there's still a fair amount of downside risk. Uh, Andy, I think people should be pretty conservative if I'm right. And we, in the debt ceiling gets resolved and the S&P rallies uh, 4250 or whatever the number turns out to be, I think lightening up on that rally makes sense because I think there'll be an opportunity uh, to you know, recommit capital at lower prices going out three to six months from now. Big thanks to Jim Welsh. Macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com out of San Diego. And again, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new gains episode drops. We drop gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. And I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.